We welcome our guests, especially this morning. Uh, you're very important to us. We're glad that you're here and uh, hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you wouldn't mind to fill those out and pass them down the aisles so others can do the same. And especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter, please put your email address on there and we'll get you on the list for that. It's a great way to keep up with the activities and uh, that we have going on here at Community Baptist Church. Uh, we have uh, several things that are happening here. It's going to be a busy day. Uh, first of all, I want to thank our, our young adult uh, Sunday school class for the breakfast this morning. We do that once a month, and different classes are responsible for it, and our young adults were responsible for it today, and so thank you for that. That was a, a wonderful breakfast and uh, a great time of fellowship this morning. Um, it will be a day of eating, at, as uh, is pretty common in a Baptist church. Uh, we had breakfast this morning. Uh, don't eat too much for lunch because we're coming back this afternoon. We have our Christmas service at 3 o'clock this afternoon. And some of you may not be familiar with what this is. We have our Christmas tree up right over here lit with, with white lights. And we will be decorating the Christmas tree with ancient symbols of Christ. These are called Christmas. Uh, it's, called, it's short for Christ monograms. And so we will be decorating this tree with uh, ancient symbols of Christ. We'll be, it'll be a lot of singing and some reading and uh, a delightful service. So we invite you to come and be a part of that at 3 o'clock this afternoon. And then hang around afterwards because we will be having a fellowship um, uh, open house that is hosted by our deacons. So hope that you can be here for that. We also uh, welcome Felicia Belcher. Uh, with us today, and her husband Rudy, who who is there, there he is back there. Her husband Rudy is here, and uh, Felicia will be presented at our business meeting on Wednesday night as our music director. And uh, she is talented, she is committed, and we look forward to working together. I also have my daughter and son-in-law, and my grandson here. Daughter, son-in-law, and grandson. I'm so happy. Great. Welcome. Welcome to you all. We're, we're glad that you're here. Uh, also, one other thing. Everybody, take your hand and do like this. Okay. Now look down at the floor. You have to do that because it's so bright. <laughs> have you noticed that the floor looks particularly bright today? It has been refinished. Uh, it, Doesn't it look great? It, it really looks off. You know, when they got part of it and you looked at the part that was stripped and the part that wasn't, it was yellow. It was awful. It was terrible. But it looks beautiful now. And so we, uh, we owe a, a great deal of thanks to Michelle Brown, our, our custodian, also uh, Sybil Keach and Jake Lear. They worked hard this week to get this done, so we're grateful for them. Uh, so it's a great day to be here and to worship God. Let me invite you now to stand, if you're able, and uh, share the love of Christ with one another.
open your hymnals to page 100. We don't have our words up here on the board right now, so we're going to have to do it the old-fashioned way. But if you could turn to page 100, let us stand together as we sing Angels We Have Heard on High. Christmas is coming. What will your Christmas be like? What will it be like for others? We give gifts to show we care, to show our love. There are many around us who are struggling with problems of all sorts. Sometimes the best gift we can give is our time, our understanding, our company. There are many in the world struggling to survive. The poor get poorer. The weather gets harsher. Wars rumble on. We see the injustice and have a burning desire to bring Christ's love to all people everywhere. Christ is coming. As we approach our Christmas celebration, we light this third candle as a sign that we will always be there for those in need and that Christ's light will shine out from this place and illuminate a sometimes dark world. Let's pray. Lord of the downtrodden and the outcast, come soon. Come and break the chains of injustice, remove disaster, deal with oppressors, and bring your joy and harmony to all the corners of this world. Amen.
Thank you, thank you. We do have some other birthdays in the house. I believe Tim Hall, he is now what? Yay! Dr. Tim, his birthday is yesterday. 60 years old. 60 years old. Woohoo! I believe uh, Alice Culver, she's turning something on Tuesday. I don't know what. I'm not asking, so we won't touch that. But what's it? What is it? Dottie's is tomorrow, and I'm not asking. <laughs> Never ask a lady her age. Trust me. Trust me. So, I, I you're going to sing happy birthday to these folks. Happy birthday to. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Tom. To everybody. <laughs> now, on channel four, <laughs> instead of giving presents, I want to give you a gift. Is that okay? How's that great? Yeah. We have a, this church is your gift. Okay? This is your gift. This is your house. Alright? Don't you feel special? It's not only this church, but it's the people in this church that makes this church. And you're part of this church. So, guess what? You make this church. Okay? So that's my gift to you. Alright? Also, keep Jesus very, very, very close to your heart. Love and peace is in the air. With Christmas coming up, I feel the joy. And I see the joy in your all's hearts when you all are running around here. Because I know you all are going to take good care of this place. Okay, I want to give you all a little prayer. This is from the book of Numbers. Speaking of birthdays, <laughs> this is chapter 6, verses 24 through 26, okay? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. We say this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Come on upstairs. Away in the manger, page 103. Let's stand together as we sing our offertory hymn.
Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we think about that manger years ago, Lord, and how you lived your life on this earth, show that love from God. Help us to reflect that each and every day of our lives. To rely on you for strength, for peace, for comfort, and help us to be a light in a dark, lost world. Help us to convey that message. Help us to be faithful in that. Forgive us where we fail thee. We ask that you bless these tithes and offering for the building of thy kingdom. And it's in Christ's name, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading today is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 35, verse 1 through 10. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, Be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance and terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals shall become a swamp. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler Not even fools shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come up on it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads, that they shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and crying shall flee away. This is the word of the Lord.
Thank you, Felicia. Jika, that was beautiful. And what a great message. <clears throat> W.E. Sangster once uh, told about attending a party, and this party was to celebrate the wedding between a young couple. He arrived late at the party. He didn't know anybody there except for the friend who had invited him to come. And so he pretty much just played the role of a spectator. He saw that everybody there seemed to be having a great time. They were dancing and shouting and singing and laughing and playing games. And then they indulged in, indulged in all sorts of entertainment. They flung streamers across the room and pranced around in paper hats and had a lot to eat and drink and generally just seemed to be having, having fun. But as the evening progressed... <clears throat> Sangster noticed that there was a young lady sitting all by herself in the corner. She seemed to be happy. She smiled whenever he, he caught her eye, but she seemed a little neglected. Nobody seemed to be paying her much attention. And so Sangster asked his friend, who is that young lady sitting in the corner? And his friend replied, oh, don't you know? I'll introduce you. That's the bride. Now, can you imagine being left all alone and forgotten at your own party? Especially at your own wedding party. Well, I wonder if that's how Jesus must feel during the season of Christmas. And the reason I say that is, is because most of the celebration of Jesus' birth, the, uh, the lights and the, uh, a lot of the music, a lot of the music is great, but some of the music is, has nothing to do with Jesus and the gift giving and the parties and things like that. So much of it has very little to do with Jesus. And I think it's sad. Not just for him, but also for us. For you see, we need Jesus. And all the people around us need Jesus. Indeed, the whole world needs Jesus. I mean, after all, that's why the Christmas event happened 
in the first place. God so loved the world that God sent us the most important gift ever given. The gift of God's Son. And I believe that there, that there are several reasons that we need Jesus today. And, and it's not just at Christmas time, but all year round. And the first one is that we need Jesus because sometimes life is just hard. Life is not easy all the time, is it? And unfortunately, that's a truth that a lot of us have learned the hard way. Sometimes we want to just escape from whatever we are facing in our lives. I remember sitting in a theology class one time in, uh, when I was in seminary with the, great, the late great professor Dale Moody. Uh, Dr. Moody prided himself on experience, experiencing a variety of different types of worship experiences and and because of that, sometimes he could be found in a Roman Catholic church or a Jewish synagogue or a mosque or a Quaker meeting house. But the story that he told on this particular day involved his visit to a snake handling church up in the hills between Alabama and Tennessee. He said he was sitting there observing all of the activities that were going on in this worship experience, the songs that they were singing and the prayers that they were praying. And then that, then that it was time to bring out the snakes. And he didn't want anything to do with handling the snakes, but he was content to observe from a safe distance. But as events unfolded, somehow the snakes got between him and the door. And so feeling a bit uncomfortable... With this situation, he punched the guy next to him and asked, is there a back door to this place? And when the guy said no, he said, reckon where they want one. <laughs> he was about to make a back door to this place. He needed a back door to get out of that situation. Have you ever felt that way? You ever felt that way? There are times in our lives when we wish that life had more back doors, a method of escape, because life can get tense sometimes. I'm sure John the Baptist, that glorious forerunner of Christ, surely wished that he had a back door as he languished in Herod's prison. But unfortunately, his worst days were yet to come. He was beheaded by Herod. Now, he was not a terrible criminal. In fact, Jesus said that no man ever, no better man ever lived than John the Baptist. But that did not keep him from needing a back door. And truth be told, all of the prophets yearned for a, a back door. All of the true prophets learned for, uh, yearned for a back door from time to time in their lives, as do we all. We have all experienced that. And it doesn't matter how righteous we may be. Sometimes life is just a challenge. On September the 3rd, 1987, pilot Henry Dempsey was flying a 15-passenger plane from Lewiston, Maine to Boston. And when they reached the altitude of 4,000 feet, he heard a noise in the back where the rear stairs were. And so he turned the controls over to the, the co-pilot and walked back to see what was going on. And as he reached the back of the plane, the aircraft hit some turbulence, and, and Henry was thrown against the stairway door, which was hinged at the bottom, and suddenly the door fell open. And before he could do anything, Dempsey was sucked partially out of the plane, and he, faced, he fell face down on the stairs, and he grabbed for anything he could to save his life. He caught a hold of a, of a railing and held on for dear life. Now the co-pilot in the front, he thought that he had fallen out of the plane. He thought he was gone. He'd fallen to his death. And so he diverted the flight to a nearby airport. But when he landed, Dempsey was found with his face only about 12 inches from the runway, still alive, but with his hands so tightly gripping around those rails that his fingers literally had to be pried open. I don't blame him. Now, I've never fallen out of an airplane at 4,000 feet. Have you? Probably not. 
But you know what? We have all had those experiences in our lives when it took every bit of our strength just to hang on. Right? We've had those times. And folks, the people in this world who have achieved greatness have been those who have been able to hold on with, with the tenacity of a bulldog. And we know that, that even though this is a season of the year when society is telling us that we need to be merry, everybody's saying, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. We recognize that for some people, even devoted saints of God, this is a hard time of the year. For those who are alone, this is the loneliest season of all. For people with limited means, this season of conspicuous consumption is a stark reminder of their lack of material fortune. People who have lost a loved one, for for them the emptiness is amplified by the superficial joy that surrounds them. Life is not easy, even at Christmas time, and, and maybe for some people especially at Christmas time. And we don't understand why life should be so difficult. But hopefully through the difficult situations that we face, we may be able to learn and grow in our lives, spiritually and emotionally, as we face the failures and frustrations and disappointments and diseases that are inevitable for us all. Someone has said that heaven is not a proper place for raising kids. That may surprise you a little bit, but what they meant by that is that heaven is a perfect place. Heaven's perfect, and there are never any problems in heaven. And if a child were to grow up in a perfect environment, that child would never learn to deal with problems. Never face disappointments, never stumble, never fall. And subsequently, never grow. So maybe this world is a training place for the world yet to come. And we face life's difficult situations with patience and with perseverance. And hopefully in the process of all of that, we are becoming molded into the image of Christ. But of course, we don't have all of the answers. We don't know. We don't know why hardships come our way. But this one thing we do know. We need Jesus. And we need Jesus because life is not easy. Because, folks, during those times when life is bleak, when life is hard, when life is slapping us in the face, it is at times like that when our faith in Christ gives us the hope that we need to hang on. And if Christmas is about anything, it's about hope. Isaiah experienced that hope hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. He described the world in which he lived as a desert. And there was not very much hope for the people of his land at that time. The Assyrian army was was threatening at their borders. Sin and corruption were threatening from within. It was a dark and bleak, desperate time. In the history of Israel. But listen to this folks. Even in the face of all this bleakness. All this desperation. Isaiah had hope. And listen to what he wrote. The hope that he envisioned. He said that the desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom like a crocus. It will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. And then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer and the mute Tongue will will shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness. Streams in the desert. And the burning sand will become like a pool. And the thirsty ground will become bubbling springs. Do you see what's happening here? It's a total transformation from, from a desert land to an oasis. It is Isaiah saying... 
that nothing is hopeless. Even when it seems as hopeless as a desert, things can change, and they will. So when will that day come? It will come when the Messiah establishes His kingdom over all of the earth. Isaiah envisioned a great day when everything that was wrong would be set right. But, that, but first a baby would need to be born. And so you see, Christmas is about hope. Michael Dent tells about a church sign that he used to pass on his way to his student church. Uh, going back and forth between uh, seminary at Southern Methodist University uh, and his student church. He said the sign always fascinated. It was a church sign, one of these signs that had the arrow pointing down the road to a, to the, to a church. And it fascinated him, but he was always in too much of a hurry to go down and to take a look for himself to see if this was for real. And what fascinated him about this sign was the name of the church. You see, the church name on that sign was Little Hope Baptist Church. Little Hope Baptist Church. You know, there's some great church names out there. There's one in Atlanta called Free For All Baptist Church. I'm not sure if I want to be a part of that church. And I'm not sure if I want to be a part of Little Hope Baptist Church. But Michael wondered, why would any congregation name themselves Little Hope? Why would anyone be attracted to a church called Little Hope? I mean, it sounds like a tiny, struggling, theologically challenged group of people. And he thought, well, maybe it's a joke. Maybe it was just there to make you smile as you passed by and saw that sign and thought, Little Hope Baptist Church, oh my. Maybe it doesn't even exist. All these thoughts went through his mind, and he thought, as he thought about that name, Little Hope Church. And so many years later, a long time after he graduated, he and his wife decided to take a journey to see if they could find the church that was advertised by that sign. And so they went to the area, and, and, and there it was, just as he remembered that sign. And he turned in the direction that the sign pointed, and he drove down for a little while. And then there was another sign, and he turned again. And finally their persistence paid off. And they found Little Hope Baptist Church. Now, what would you expect a church named Little Hope to look like? He asked. Small, decaying, unkempt, unloved. But no. There was a sign outside that said Little Hope Baptist Church. And guess what? The church named Little Hope had a paved parking lot and a big brick sanctuary. There was a church van like ours out here and a garage-like parking place like ours back here. They had a covered drop-off area. That's one of our dreams, folks. We're not going to get there yet. There was a nice brick home next to the church that was probably a parsonage. And even more importantly, there was a historical marker telling some of the church's history. And that marker concluded by saying, this congregation continues its long tradition of helping community members in need and supports various missionary and outreach entities. Michael Dent says that what we learned in our pilgrimage to the Little Hope Church is that this historic congregation is actually a big hope church. It just happens to be in a community whose name is, for whatever reason, Little hope. A big hope church in a little hope community. We know something. Jesus was born in a little hope part of the world. It was a little hope part of the world then. It's a little hope part of the world now. I mean, when will the violence and the hatred ever end in that area? But listen to this. In that little hope part of the world, more than 2,000 years ago, there were some shepherds keeping watch over their sheep who beheld a group of angels who directed them to a manger in Bethlehem. And they found the baby Jesus there. And there were magi who saw a star in the sky and they followed it until they found the place where this young child lay. And who could have imagined all of that? A little hope community became the setting of the biggest hope that would ever 
invade our world. This time of the year, with Advent and Christmas, we celebrate the coming of Jesus into the world. And we do this because we need Jesus. You see, life is hard, even for the best of us. But Jesus gives us hope, even when all of our other resources are gone. So I think it's our loss if we treat Jesus like a neglected bride in the corner of her own wedding party during this time of year. For you see, Christ is God's greatest gift to this world. And He's available to every single one of us. All we have to do is to recognize that this gift is available to us and to accept Him as our own. There's a woman who once told uh, Pastor Lloyd Ogilvie about a conflict that her husband was having with her son over a piece of property. The land, which was quite valuable, had been uh, placed in the father's will for the son. He wanted it now. Sounds familiar. Sounds kind of like the prodigal son. He wanted this property now uh, while, while his father was still alive. And his father resisted that. The son just broke off all relationships with him. He seldom came home to visit. But, but one Christmas, his mother convinced him to spend Christmas at home. And he came home grudgingly. But he kept his distance from his father. And with grief, that mother described the time of exchanging gifts on Christmas Eve. Her son opened all of his presents except for the one from his father. It was a tie-shaped box, carefully wrapped with a card saying to my beloved son, Love, Dad. But the box was never opened. It stayed under that tree, unopened, all through Christmas Day. And, and the next day, when the son left. But what that son didn't realize was that that father had enclosed the deed to that property that his son had wanted so badly in that box as his Christmas gift to his son. And to this day, that box has never been opened. The son now owned a very valuable piece of land, but he didn't even know it. Because he stubbornly refused to open the gift from his father. And I'm just afraid that a lot of people make that same mistake when it comes to Jesus. Because folks, life is hard. And there are some trials that we will face that only Jesus can help us make it through. But what we need to see is that there is a gift that came into this world 2,000 years ago. And it is, it is a, a gift that comes straight from the heart of God. And to everyone who opens this gift, who receives that gift and makes that gift his or her own, there is given an attitude and an ability to persevere, to endure, to hang on that the world doesn't know. So, do you feel a little hopeless this morning? Do you feel a little hopeless during this season of the year? Have you found that life is crushing you under its weight? then here's my prayer for you. Receive the gift of hope that God offers to everyone. Christ is born, and through that birth, God introduced hope for a beloved community of joy and love and peace and harmony of all people. Now, it's not here yet. I know that. We're still working on it. But that's our hope. And it is that hope that keeps us moving forward. So be hopeful, my friends, and pray. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. <clears throat> Let's sing together, I surrender all. And I hope that this is our prayer for all of us. I know that for many it is, for some may be struggling with this, that we, are, we can surrender it all to Christ. 
But you know what? That's why Christ came, to give us the hope that we need. And we get that hope by just giving it over to God, giving it over to Christ. And so I hope that's your prayer today. Give it over, folks. Give it over. Let's sing. sophistication never become so great that we forget the wonder of your gift. May our celebration never become so elaborate that we forget the simplicity of your son's birth. May we never suppose our knowledge to be so great that we forget the mystery of your love. May we go from this place remembering the good news that you have brought to us. Jesus Christ is born. In him we long for the promised kingdom, which is to come. Amen. Amen. Amen.